0: I'm Jeff Gibson.
1: And I'm Shanna Paxton.
0: And we are the The Movie movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome to the official podcast of the Gibson Review.
1: My husband.
0: In every episode, we like to talk about what we watched in our week in review, respectively, TV shows and movies. Move on to a main event, which is either a topic of discussion or a main review. And then finished up with Film Phase, our favorite movies about a particular topic, often marching backwards through time. Now, in this episode, and possibly in the next next couple episodes, we're gonna be messing a little bit with that format. So for example, in this episode, we won't have our traditional format. It will be our 2018 Roundup review. Which is the first time we've ever done this. Basically, we feel we have a lot to catch up on, a lot to cram in. And since our last episode, we have been cramming a lot of movies, haven't we, Shannon? We've
1: been working very hard. Even when we were very sick, we were cramming through things like Crazy Rich Asians and Ocean's Eight and uh, falling asleep during one and having to watch it again.
0: Yeah, so what we're going to do in this episode is. We're going to go through and give reviews on several different films. I think uh, six films or so that we will be focusing on. And uh, even before that, I will talk about some, a couple movies that I've seen on my own. Shannon will be talking about a movie she's seen on her own. And then we'll jump into our full reviews of, of movies. We'll probably spend about ten minutes each talking about a series of films trying to cram in and we still have uh several films to see at this point by the time we record our next episode which is our end of year episode we still have to see aquaman if beale street could talk the favorite vice destroyer on the basis of sex we have a lot to cram in some things haven't been released some things are just now opening to our area so yeah we've been we've been working hard here so here we go let's jump in and get started I have a couple movies to talk about first the first one is called searching this is a film starring John Cho which a lot of people know from the Harold and Kumar movies and and several other films the description of this film is after a 16-year-old daughter goes missing, a desperate father breaks into her laptop to look for clues to find her. Now, that sounds somewhat conventional and rote, but this film is anything but conventional and rote. As a matter of fact, it is shot entirely, and the story is entirely told through screens, be it laptop screens or or otherwise. I think I think maybe we jumped to like a cell phone screen at one point or something, but it's all told through computer screens and it is incredibly creative. It is a riveting intense story with a couple different twists in it. It is more than what you expect it to be. And it's also not what you expect it to be. It's one of the most underseen Uh, overlooked films and it's kind of a shame it is a really solid exciting film to watch so uh, check it out it's by this new director named Anish uh, Chaganti he came up with this whole concept he pitched it to a company as a short film and the company was like actually we want to make this a full feature and uh, would you and, and have you direct it and everything Uh, Are you interested? He's like, uh, yeah. (laughs) So, I ended up getting John Cho, who originally said no to the project. It was very much outside his comfort zone. Deborah Messing of Will and Grace also stars in it as a detective. Uh, It is a very good film. I highly recommend it. It, It's not going to make my top ten or anything this year, but it is definitely a worthwhile thriller. That film is called Searching. Next... I saw a film called The Writer. Now, this is a Western drama. The plot is, after suffering a near-fatal head injury, a young cowboy undertakes a search for a new identity and what it means to be a man in the heartland of America. This film is by director Chloe Zhao and written by Chloe Zhao. It stars Brady, Jandro, Mooney, his father, Tim Jandro, and I believe his sister, Lily Jandro, yes, among others. You're not going to recognize any of these names because these are non actors. As a matter of fact, this film is notable for the fact that it is basically about a cowboy, more or less, a rodeo guy who actually suffered an injury. And it's about like 60% accurate to his actual experience. And so it actually stars his family. It stars his friends in it. And that's one of the things that's really notable about the movie. uh, And also how kind of naturalist and, and real it all feels. And critics have been going crazy over this film. But I tell you what, this film did not do it for me i get i get what it's doing and the strength of the film is what it's trying to do but unfortunately i just found the storytelling very unengaging very uninteresting uh these people who are in this film these are not people who you will see launched into major careers in acting they're not terrible actors or anything like that i'm not saying that but they're just they're they're very they're real people and and i just did not find their screen presence especially the lead who is has every second of, of the frame basically engaging or interesting enough his name is brady i didn't find the storytelling the the manner in which the his story was told to be engaging or interesting enough and it just kind of was there and fell flat for me, so that's the the writer. And I give that a five out of ten. Finally, I saw probably the best thing I saw on my own was a documentary that has been really making the rounds, gaining notoriety. It's called Minding the Gap, and it's available on Hulu. They actually in charge of distribution it's by a new director named Bing lu and here's the description of this three young men bond together to escape volatile families in their rust belt hometown as they face adult responsibilities unexpected revelations threaten their decade-long friendship it makes it sound a little more dramatic actively dramatic than it actually is this is not a melodramatic film but this is a documentary that took years of footage of this guy just recording his, his friends or people he knows that skateboard, recording them skateboard, but also delving a little bit more into each person's life. Uh, this film, you may have seen me make a statement on the, uh, the Gibson Review Facebook page, make a mini review of this. This hit me as like a ton of bricks, in this one film, we touch on race, we touch on class issues, we touch on the relationships between being parents and children, and how those relationships affect us as adults and our relationships with our children. Uh, it touches on domestic abuse. It touches on uh, how women are treated, and it just so much is packed in to this. What? 90 minute movie it is extraordinary film and is so well edited too i loved mining the gap it is fighting right now for the number one spot of uh best uh, film of the year on my list i highly recommend it it's so easy to to find and get access to if you have a hulu account that's all you need and it doesn't take much of your time but it's well worth it. That is Minding the Gap and I highly recommend you seek it out. I give it an 8 out of 10. Alright Shanna, from what I understand you also got to see a movie on your own. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes, I got to watch the psychological thriller based on a particular event that people are aware of that happened in 1892. It is a movie called Lizzie, and it's about the murdering of Lizzie Borden's parents. Uh, She was accused of doing it, and I guess the general census is that she did it, but she was not convicted of the murder, and that's not a spoiler because this is true events, and Mm -hmm. guys, it happened just before the 1900s started, so if you are not caught up, that is not my problem. Now, this starred Kristen Stewart and Chloe Savini and Fiona Shaw. There's a couple other stars there, too, but that's who we'll focus on. Chloe Savini, for those of you who might know, uh, she's from Big Love. Mm. And I loved her in Big Love. And I, honestly, I thought that was all she did. I, I haven't seen her in a lot.
0: Uh, she's been uh, acting for years before Big mm. Love, even. She was in the... Film starring hillary Swank called Boys Don't Cry. She was mm. in If These Walls Could Talk. She's been in a lot of things. The Brown Bunny, lots of lots of stuff.
1: Okay, so things that I just haven't been exposed to, other mm. than I know her from Big Love. Anyway, this is uh, a very interesting movie. Uh, the way that they've put it together, I kind of knew a little bit about this film. There is a TV show on Netflix about Lizzie Borden, and it's stars Christina Ritchie, Mm -hmm. who was actually in a Lizzie Borden film a few years before.
0: Oh, weird. Yeah, it's
1: very interesting. Anyway, so the movie was great. It had a very beautiful, light, creamy cinematography look to it. Mm -hmm. Performance-wise, this was very interesting because you have these characters who are being mistreated by men uh the women are in different roles so you have one that's the servant that's kristen stewart's role okay and then you have chloe who is the daughter of said male figure she's woman like shit yeah she's lizzie sorry anyway the father is very controlling and you know it's going to result in a lot of during that time it's going the victorian era i guess or I mean, you have to keep all of those feelings in if you're a woman because mm-hmm. women didn't have a lot, sure, a lot of access to uh, rights, a lot of access to property, etc. So they had to rely on men, which meant if men men had control over them, and if men decided they, you know didn't want to deal with that particular woman in any capacity whether it was the daughter servant wife they could get rid of them mm. and it would you know it would be very easy to do that so i completely understand if she did kill her parents i understand i understand why so it was just it was a very interesting build-up and you know you didn't want to watch this film with me because you were worried about if it was going to be too like Axie. yeah It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be.
0: So it does show the murder. Yeah. My understanding is, to clarify, the movie's not about the murder. It's about events and uh, and a relationship that leads to the murder, correct? Yes. Okay, but it does feature the murder. Yes. Okay.
1: So, no, your kids cannot watch this, in case you were wondering. I don't
0: know (laughs) if it's the kind of material that would really interest most kids either
1: i'm just playing around i'm just weird today i spent my day with the 12 year old so my humor has gone down a few decades so (laughs) i do recommend this film if you're a murder history fan okay so if you know if you're into the story of jack the ripper if you're interested in the victorian era this this would be quite appealing i think to watch
0: how like how good a film do you think it is? Is it good? is it likely to make your top twenty or top ten? Is it that great a film? Tell us a little bit about about that.
1: It may rank in the top twenty purely for the fact that it's a woman taking control. It's a woman, Lizzie, taking control of her own destiny.
0: And it's told it's told very well. Yes. Okay. So, and how is Kristen Stewart? in the film you know she's oh
1: my god so i was totally fine with her you know it's taken me a long time to be okay with her yes after you've the hated, whole twilight thing hated
0: on her in the and podcast
1: like i i loved her in was it shoplifter
0: uh, shopper. Nah. <laughs> i'm so personal sorry so
1: personal shopper Yeah. and i was doing just great with her uh-huh. Uh huh. but unfortunately there were little shades of twilight Kristen where she bit her lip uh. and we all know like, that bite-lip look, and I don't want to see it ever again on Kristen. I don't want to. Okay. So I was a little annoyed with that, but other than that, she was great.
0: Okay. So you recommend uh, Lizzie? Yes. Very good. Okay. All right. So now we got that out of the way, we have a few films to spend a little bit more uh, time talking about. The first film that we have is Eighth Grade,
1: which This is such a great film.
0: Okay, so let's talk a little bit first about what it is and who made it. It is a film about an introverted teenage girl who tries to survive the last week of her disastrous 8th grade year before leaving to start high school. It is directed by comedian Bo Burnham. It stars Elsie Fisher, Josh Hamilton, Emily Robinson, and not really too much, too many other people in terms of a known cast. Shanna, what, you seem to be pretty enthusiastic about Eighth Grade. Why don't you share with us what your thoughts are on the film?
1: We have a very different culture right now for teenagers. They're surrounded by this technology that has really grown in the way teenagers can use it. And what this film does is it, sh- it really does give us a beautiful insight into that, but it also mixes it with, you know, things that we could be, our generation could be familiar with too. So in between her posting and liking and following through the social platforms, there is a moment where she does get invited by her what do you call it it's like what's what's before senior junior oh
0: junior
1: like her junior friend like they all get assigned a junior friend before they go into high school oh what is that called? that's Their right buddy. to kind of
0: show them around yeah see what they're going to be getting into that yeah sort of thing. and like tour.
1: that person was very nice and I decided to invite her out so in between all this you know social online platform socializing mm-hmm. you've got an actual socializing thing happening where they go and they're actually interacting with each other there's a couple of other friends there right and I really appreciated that they they put that in there too and that it was going pretty well for her it also shows her going through things that don't go well for her at all and how terribly traumatic they can feel and how horribly uncomfortable it is and like a birthday party and you're one of the very few girls that are wearing a full piece uh swimsuit mm-hmm. it's very scary mm-hmm. um and then trying to find out who you know who are good people who are you know who's going to be a good person to be friends with Who's going to be a good person to maybe have a closer relationship with? Mm-hmm. So, all this navigation that's happening, but it does have a strong link to how the online platform, it, you know, how phones essentially affect a teenager's experience now. And I really appreciated it. It had very clean cinematography. I loved how close we were with her mm. because. N- you know she's talking into her phone she's talking into her camera for her youtube channel but she's really talking to like us you know i, I guess if you think about films you don't always see them talking the characters talking directly to you right. it's always um, uh, you know it's always this you know th- there's a line you know yeah. they're they're to- they're in their own story but she brings us into her story through the director's direction and also hearing the making of this film is very interesting too so i highly recommend this film i love the performances there's not only something for you know parents to try and understand what a teenager might be going through right now because every every generation is a little different mm-hmm. but it also shows what it's like for the parent um she is played
0: by josh hamilton yeah
1: for example she's very interested in a banana and she's holding it and her father walks in and she gets caught with the banana, just holding it. And he says, I thought you hated bananas. And right, <laughs> she right. gets this, you know, he's hes just really confused. He just yeah. doesn't understand. And he's trying to understand and he's being very empathetic and very sensitive towards her because yeah. she is, a, you know, an exposed nerve. Yeah. As, he's not
0: being confrontational at oh, all. Oh,
1: that poor guy. And she basically hits. Throwing the banana at him. Yeah. This poor parent. I just want to scoop him up and tell him everything's okay. I'm not worried about her because I know she's she has to go through her own thing. Mm. But I want to scoop up the parent and say it's okay. It's going to be okay. (laughs) So that I really enjoyed the film for those reasons. Did you have anything you wanted to add?
0: Well, uh, I'll share my thoughts on the film, if I may. I. I am a little more... I like the fine. You liked it fine. (laughs) I like the film. But I'm a little more lukewarm on it than you. And and perhaps the rest of the world. I, I noticed this is another film that got a lot of attention and praise by critics and film circles. I think everything you said about the movie is... Is accurate I agree with all those things. Josh Hamilton in particular who plays a supporting role as the father very often he's given a very baffled look uh, wondering what the hell just happened but you know there's a lot of there's a couple really good strong touching scenes too between father and daughter particularly in the second half of the film if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. That really kind of sell it. I think what's interesting about this character, this main character is, you know, she she I don't know if you mentioned it but she has a YouTube channel You're and so she's different. always giving these tips on this YouTube channel about how to be a better person, how to be a more confident person, or what have you and, and by the way, this is a channel that hardly anybody watches but she puts it out there and it's interesting because i think each each segment of her on her channel will either be followed by or preceded by her basically going against what she's talking about so or rather
1: not able to follow her to the level to commit to
0: that yeah it's interesting because she is someone who clearly lacks confidence and lacks self-esteem she wants to be connected with all these people online but she doesn't have actually any actual friends herself Mm -hmm. you know and i think that that disconnect between reality and social media reality is a very interesting aspect of the film a very interesting thing that the film explores about this age group and and let's be also very clear this is a very specific experience that the film is talking about we are talking about a, a teenage white girl right so this is not a very necessarily a universal experience this is a very specific experience but it is still I think an experience that a lot of people can relate to or connect with or it might help them understand better who what's going on in their own household you know in some ways and sometimes maybe even terrify them about what may be going on in their household you know because of you know the constant screen time but i wasn't a myself i wasn't able to connect so much with the main character and it maybe it's because i'm not able to i'm not supposed to i'm not someone who was this character at some point you know but not being able to connect with her in in some way or find my way necessarily into connecting with her sometimes actually being irritated by her in the first act of the film it did leave me liking the film a little less than you but i totally understand I, i understand and get your admiration of the film for me, it's a seven out of ten. Uh, how about for you?
1: Oh, I would say eight out of ten, possibly eight and a half. I'm figuring it out. Well, let's go with eight and a half. It's a happy <laughs> time today. <laughs> <laughs> Shanna's
0: eight and a half. Uh, forget Fellini's eight and a half. Uh, so that is Eighth Grade by Bo Burnham, and that is, I believe, available now on the rental and streaming uh, market. Next, Crazy Rich. Asians. This is a film that we really wanted to catch up with. I think in late summer when it first came out, yes, August. But uh, we were having that that whole scheduling and movie Movie pass fiasco, right? And uh, so we just were not able to make it happen. So we finally caught up to it when it hit the rental market. So for those who are not familiar, Crazy Rich Asians is the romantic comedy that is based on a global bestseller called Crazy Rich Asians by I don't have the author's name in front of me unfortunately right now but it follows a native new yorker her name is Rachel Chu it follows her to singapore to meet her fiance's or, or boyfriend's family sorry mistaken there's a wedding that her boyfriend's family is having and he brings her along to meet the family finally and it stars Constance Wu, Henry Golding, and most notably, Michelle Yeoh. But also, Gemma Chane, and Aquafina and Ken Jeong, and the list goes on. Jimmy Yang. At any rate, Shannon, why don't you go first? Tell me a little bit about your feelings and thoughts about Crazy Rich Asians.
1: I think this is the best romantic comedy, like, in forever. <laughs> As, <laughs> in a very long time. It's so flawless. It's so... There's elegance in it. There's down to earth. There's craziness to it. There's, (laughs) you know, there's triumphs. There's challenges. And not with her boyfriend. It's all around everyone that's around her boyfriend and, you know, the family in particular. And that's really important. Sometimes you have to go through a freaking wall of crazy and you have to grow and exercise that brave muscle and stand up for you know stand up and hold your head high and have honor essentially Mm. and that's what she does i think she's a fantastic character i think they all are i did a family shoot just the other day and one of the kids uh said optimal angles and i think it was hilarious because it was a family of three kids you know with their two parents so I I just thought it was really hilarious. But that's a
0: quote from the movie, to be clear. Um, So
1: it's already like... I mean, and these are kids. Mm -hmm. This is like a a 16-year-old, 14-year-old, and 11-year-old. And they all cracked up about it. Mm -hmm. So they've all seen the movie. And I thought that that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. That it it can be a family movie. Mm -hmm. You know, there's nothing... Too, too bizarre to, well maybe one or two bizarre moments but you've got to have a little crazy sometimes there's got to be one or two elements that go over kids' heads so I really love this I would give this a 9 out of 10 yeah. I thought the performances were great the colors were rich the cinematography was fantastic of course I just I just I really like this film yeah we've needed one like this for a very long time
0: well in more ways than one right because first of all not only is it a uh, uh, First, truly fresh, non-formulaic, entertaining, and fun rom-com in years. Mm -hmm. But it is also the first all-Asian cast Hollywood-produced film in 20 years. So
1: since the Joy Luck Club.
0: Correct. Yeah, to be clear, it's the Joy Mm -hmm. Luck Club. Uh, For those uh, movie trivia nerds out there, that was the last one. Uh, That was an all-Asian cast. That alone like let's not really uh, trivialize the importance of this film for an entire community of audience, right? And it was thankfully wildly successful and I think it's deservedly so. I am 100% with you. This is a very entertaining, very fun, uh, very energetic, very well written and well acted and smart romantic comedy just in terms of how it portrays its characters and, and you know you're first introduced for example to Rachel in a position where she's it looks like she's gambling but what she's actually doing is actually she's teaching a course mm-hmm. she's a professor it's revealed mm-hmm. and she outsmarts a student very easily and she points out how it is she outsmarted this student and that's actually important because it really sets up this character that how do i say this i think there's certain assumptions that are made or or created about asian characters female or male independently when you see them in film. And this film immediately subverts all of that and, and normalizes Asian characters as actual real people who don't necessarily have an accent. They're not they're not stupid or or all about their Asianness like you see in so many fil- Hollywood films for decades on right. And I think that this film is really great for for that. As a matter of fact, like I've never seen Fresh Off the Boat until like a few days ago and apparently like Rachel uh, Constance Wu is from fresh off the boat and I was actually ended up being disappointed seeing her well
1: maybe I just what? referred the wrong episode to you
0: no no I saw I've seen the first four or five episodes Okay. what I'm trying to say is I was actually disappointed hearing her putting on such a thick accent after seeing her in this movie you know being so completely different right cuz Like when you are being retroactive like that, you're like, oh, she's totally playing like it feels like she's playing the traditional part, you know, someone who has an accent. The thing that Ken Jeong's character makes fun of in this film, you know, and uh, and I'm sure there's way more to that character in Fresh Off the Boat than than that, but it just struck me upon first glance uh, as disturbing after seeing her in this film. Um, And she is such a great character in this film. I really enjoy her.
1: Um, Well, let's not forget that in that show, mm -hmm. she isn't first generation American. Her children are. Yeah. So just to clarify that, and then I just wanted to add to what you were saying. It's it's a very interesting look at not being Asian enough in Crazy Rich Asians. No. Yeah, that was interesting. Very. That was very interesting too.
0: Thank you for raising that point, because that's a really good point. This thing is not a very—it's not a broad comedy in the in the gen, in the normal sense. It actually has nuance to it. It actually speaks to the nuances of these different cultures. You know, just because you are of Asian heritage, apparently, it doesn't mean that you are necessarily um, embraced by like Asians. You know, if you are Asian American. There is actually a a difference between being Asian-American and actually Asian from Asia, right? Uh, In this case, Singapore. And that is something that is very well illustrated and discussed by the Michelle Yeoh character. Mm -hmm. And it's something you do not see ever depicted in film, at least in any film. And I've seen both foreign films and uh, domestic. I've never seen that depicted before. And I thought that was really interesting insight to to learn. So there's a lot of things, I guess what we're getting at is there's a lot of things to really love and appreciate about this movie that you do not see, have not seen, uh, in rom-coms or otherwise.
1: Yes, and upon second viewing, you know, you fell asleep the first time because, you know, you were sick. Um, Right, had nothing to do with the movie. I, I, I was awake for both viewings, and we watched it twice in one day, and there were things that i didn't pick up on the first time Mm. and so the second time watching it i did so this is definitely a movie that you know you need to go out and buy this is a movie (laughs) you need to support because they are turning all three books into films Uh,
0: because they've gotten actual support now this is a really perfect example of people voting with their wallets right and as such
1: it shows the power of support, right?
0: Right. As such, things are being greenlit, and I'm sure this will create ripple effects. Where we'll see more films with Asian leads and such. Uh, also, really quick note: Aquafina, hilarious and awesome oh my God, she's in amazing. this movie. Love her. They in this all movie. are, but yeah.
1: Geez, yeah, her lines are fantastic.
0: Yeah, she is a little bit of the comic best friend trope that you see in rom coms, but, but she isn't truggy. She wears it. She wears it well, regardless. Mm-hmm. So, that's Crazy crazy Rich Asians. I give it an 8 out of 10. Uh, Shanna, you had, you had scored it about the same?
1: I said 9 out of 10. 9
0: out of 10. Fantastic. So, next we have Ralph Wrecks the Internet, the sequel to Wreck-It Ralph, from, I think, 2012, if I'm not mistaken, by Walt Disney Studios. Uh, let's see here. If I can get this ad out of my way... Uh, you des- mean
1: if you can get Ralph out of your way? Yeah. He just broke through the page, guys. It's a really fun little yeah. animation on IMDb.
0: Right. Uh, the description is, Six years after the events of Wreck-It Ralph, Ralph and Vanellope, now friends, of course, discover a Wi-Fi router in their arcade, leading them into a new adventure. Hence the name Breaks the Internet. So this has the pretty much the entire cast from the first film in it to various degrees of screen time but principally of course john c Riley and sarah silverman with new cast members such uh, as
1: gal gadot
0: yes exactly that was exciting yes and taraji p henson as well and interestingly enough alfred melina and ed cool. o'neill at any rate shanna tell us a little bit about your thoughts on uh ralph breaks the internet and how you thought it compared to its predecessors
1: i enjoyed this film more than the first one why is that i just loved all the connections she was making vanellope i loved everything she was doing i loved that she was breaking away trying to define her herself trying to be who she wanted to be it wasn't just about being in a game and trying to win a race which okay. is it's important but it's rather simple right and in this one I feel like it was more complicated because she knew she wasn't you know she wasn't fulfilled she was trying to figure out what was going to fulfill her she finds out she tries to get it she has to deal with everything that goes with that mm. and it's there's a lot of lessons in there that everybody can experience you know your friends gonna move away and your friend is really happy about it and you're not you know there's that and then there's the princess scene and that was very exciting mm-hmm. and it was just so lovely to see all the disney princesses being real people essentially not as the development of princesses through the years has gone we have got stronger princesses and it's it's not such a bad thing it's not such a you know you're not going to be just one dimension anymore if mm. you're a princess and in the disney world i totally recommend this film especially if you've seen the first one you should see the first one so that you can better understand how they moved this story along they developed it further it wasn't like i think it's almost a better sequel than incredibles 2 is oh i agree in the way that it's dealt with in that regard Mm. i so i recommend it i will share something really funny and cute I went to the Disney store to, you know, it's Christmas, and I saw the Wreck-It Ralph merchandise, and there is a princess set. Now, the princesses, they see Vanellope's clothes, and they're like, oh my God, that's comfort. And so uh, Cinderella's assistants (laughs) make clothes for everyone that are comfortable. And so you can get that set at the Disney store, for those of you who don't know. And I said to my little two-year-old, Look, it's all the Disney princesses. And he said, not Princess Leia. And he was confused. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Where is she in this? So I was a little pissed afterward. I was like, you know what? I didn't even realize that. Why the frick isn't she there? Well, I know. Do you know why? Because she's in the Star Star Wars part and...
0: Well, its focus was the animated princesses, yes. right? And really playing with that. And I want to talk about that in a little bit. That's a bit. very
1: good point. Yeah. I, but after, after my kiddo said that, I was like really grumpy afterwards. Right. yes yeah. <laughs> Because so I wanted her there. Yeah. And, you know, we've lost Carrie Fisher, so it would have made me happy. Uh, sure. You know, but but it, I guess it could have, you know, you're right with what you said. Share your thoughts, my love.
0: So, <laughs> So, first of all, I like Ralph Breaks the Internet, and I think you are absolutely right. It is better than Incredibles 2, although that's coming from someone who enjoyed Incredibles 2 less than you. Uh, In fact, I think Ralph Breaks the Internet, when we saw that film, it was the best animated film of the year. There, you know, we'd seen Isle of Dogs, we'd seen uh, Incredibles 2. I want to say we'd seen another one, uh, too. And and I had problems with each of those. And over you went, satisfied, right? This is the first one that actually, like, actually satisfied me. And you know, how's it compared to the other one? I really like. Uh, uh, Wreck-It Ralph in the first place I thought Wreck-It Ralph was a really solid animated film and, and continued Disney's an- streak for a while this one is at least as good as that film it has some creative world building just like the predecessor how it anthropomorphizes the different aspects of the internet some brilliant stuff in there some very witty stuff in there. Pop-up blockers, or pop-ups, you know, pop-up ads, those kinds of things, uh, really brilliantly done.
1: The modem, dead at the bottom of the city. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, but what's interesting about the film is as enjoyable as it is, and as interesting as the story is, which I'll I'll circle back around to, it, it never actually maintains achieves again or maintains the brilliance that is the disney princess scenes and i'm actually really surprised how great that and how much of a standout section of the movie that actually is that you see in the trailer i thought that would just be a gag no it's it's more than a gag it's it's Disney saying we get it, guys, and we're subverting all these characters that you've had fair criticism of, and 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 it's, it's it's playing with them in ways you've never seen before, and even better, it got the original voice actors of most of those characters. Those obviously, who
1: are still with us.
0: Obviously, the ones that were made between the '30s and the '50s are more than likely dead now. So, but and, you know, that
1: was a little. Harsh. you couldn't soften that a little jeez <laughs> well
0: it's, you know it's true but all the other ones as far back as far as far as i could tell at least ariel forward the original cast and that's awesome that just adds to the enjoyment for adults i think who grew up with these films mm-hmm. so but the movie never like that that's the apex of the film's brilliance I'm a little lukewarm on the direction the film goes towards the end with a, uh, with a let's just say, a multitude of characters that make a, one large character, let's say, yeah, about how that section of the film goes down.
1: Oh, I thought you liked the, that they kind of visualized the concept of, what is it called when I think you don't love me? <laughs>
0: oh! Uh. Uh, what is it called? Pain. Um, no, no. <laughs> pathetic. Um,
1: no. Wow. I, yeah, You're I'm going totally in the joking. wrong direction. <laughs> what is it called? It's like doubt. What is it? Insecurity. A, there we go. Insecurities. So, okay. So let's get...
0: That That circles back to the story. What I think is interesting about the story, too, is that, yet on the surface, it is about friendships and letting go and letting your friend... Realizing that... You know, you could be two completely different people, but also be really tight, or really close friends. I think that also can extend as a metaphor to parenthood and your child, because and partially because there's a, you know, first of all, on the surface, a very physical difference between Ralph and Vanellope. One is very childlike. One is very large and adultlike, right? But and also, but the dynamic that 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 occurs between them is very father daughter like and so i really appreciated what the themes of the story what the what the metaphor of the story is that's working towards uh so that actually adds some strength to the film i i really i really did enjoy and, and like ralph breaks the internet probably more than i expected to I don't know if I loved it, but I really did like it a lot, and, you know, I, I don't mean to be repetitive with this score, but I, I would give it, let's say, a 7 out of 10. Yeah, probably a 7 out of 10. I wouldn't say it's a classic, but it is a really solid animated film, the best one that this year has served so far. We'll talk more in a couple minutes about the animated genre. Do you have more to say, or shall we move on to the next one? We film? can
1: move on to the next one. Is All it right. Widow's?
0: I guess it is now (laughs) it wasn't going to be but it is now
1: so Widows is set in contemporary Chicago amid a time of turmoil Four women with nothing in common except a debt left behind by their dead husbands criminal activities thank you husbands take fate into their own hands and conspire to forge a future on their own terms would you like to speak about who it stars
0: well, the question is... It's who, quite
1: a cast.
0: Who doesn't star in the film? Mm. So you have the film... First of all, it's directed by Steve McQueen, who is most famous for 12 Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. I think that's the last film he's made, so it's been a while. But it starts off with like Liam Neeson, and John Bernthal, and a couple other people. But the principal cast is Viola Davis and Michelle Rodriguez and elizabeth debicki and uh, carrie coon's in it too but also colin farrell and robert duvall are all in it really impressive cast that really elevates the material so you want to hear my thoughts on it okay why don't
1: you tell me what you thought for a change
0: uh so okay and i admit i was naughty i didn't take notes oh it is also worth noting that the script was written co-written by steve mcqueen and gillian flynn gillian flynn of Gone Girl fame. And unfortunately, I think, didn't she also write The Girl on the Train? That film with Emily Blunt.
1: I don't know, but she's also, you know, of the HBO show, Sharp Objects. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. That's the
1: more recent one.
0: Sure, sure. So, you generally a fan of her. She mm-hmm. has a very, she has an edge to she her She has a great
1: voice. twist here and there.
0: And I know that this is actually an adaptation of an old BBC series from the 80s so this isn't original material necessarily that the two of them concocted just to be clear of that in case you're not not familiar but I think this film has a lot of meat on its bones while I do not think it is typical Steve McQueen work this is definitely not 12 years a slave caliber Granted, completely different material. I think this has a lot to chew on. It's talking a lot about male female dynamics. It's talking about a lot about women's place in the world, uh, in our society. There's a lot that's specific to the Chicago atmosphere most notably and and you probably heard people talk about this in particular there is a a scene where a camera stays fixed outside a car and and actually demonstrates how how much disparity there is within just a couple blocks of of class uh, situations in this city mm-hmm. and you just know that that wasn't all set design that's act, you know they they took an actual neighborhood you know, and, and drove they around it. They attached
1: an actual car rig. Yeah. Which is no small feat, by the way. I just want you guys to know that's such a mission.
0: So I think this is there's a little bit more to this being a heist film. And also, interestingly enough, the, these women aren't doing what they do because they have a choice. They're not choosing to do this. They're not doing this for fun. They're doing what they're doing in order to survive because... If they don't do what they are doing, they are going to get a bullet to their head, and it'll just go down the line, right? And they
1: have no authority to go to for help.
0: Correct, yeah. So they They are literally doing what they need to do to survive, and I think that's a really important distinction to make. This isn't an Ocean's 8 film or, or what have you. And as such, also, the film isn't... it's interesting the film isn't about the heist really the heist itself is what five minutes tops of the film it's really all about the characters and the lead up to the actual heist and you have this other stuff going on with colin farrell who's running for city council i think or mayor
1: Mayor, mayor mayor
0: and his father is a long established politician in the city too he's like old form of corruption there's a lot political of political corruption yeah there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there that is kind of tangential to what's going on with the main women cast i don't know i don't love the film i think it's a very interesting film i think it's a very good film and i think more people probably should have seen this film i'm surprised it wasn't a bigger hit
1: I think it's important to watch this film because there are so many examples of how people mess with each other's lives. You've got one side messing with the other side and it's it's not A versus B. You've got all these little in-betweens and intricacies happening. It's not just one bad guy. There are several bad guys. Is it protagonists?
0: Protagonists, antagonists, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, so it's... It's really very interesting. You get to see how these women's lives... Sure, you get to see how these women's lives are affected by the dead husbands. And then you get to see how each woman's life is further affected by this this kind of ripple effect of what the husbands did when they were alive to them. Right, right. You know, and that is very important. It's not just about... The dead husband did what he could uh, to provide and mm-hmm. messed up, and now there's an issue. No, the, these men were f- screwing their wives over way before they died, in different ways, and it's very interesting. You yeah, that's, that's got, true
0: for each one, isn't it? Now beyond, that I think about beyond it. Beyond yeah.
1: that, you've got other women in the film that are also being not treated very nicely mm. by men. You've got a woman who is the caregiver to Colin Firth's father, who's an asshole. Feral. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Totally wrong, Colin. Sorry. You know, and and he's just a complete dick to her and you get to see how that's going to work out for him later. Mm -hmm. And you also see Colin is married to a woman and he doesn't want that political career, and he's having a little tantrum about it. And
0: Actually, I confirmed it is a little ambiguous it? whether or not they're actually a couple or, or she actually works for him. I was listening to another discussion, and they weren't able to tell either.
1: I feel like they are a couple mm. because I feel like it is something... That would, you know, the what he was sharing with her in the car ride, his little meltdown tantrum of how he doesn't have control of his life and everybody else is controlling my life for me. And it definitely feels like a relationship.
0: Hmm.
1: Relationship, relationship, hmm. intimate one. Because she's kind of, kind of going along for the ride. She's kind of like the, well, I will support you however I can, but I want this position. I want this power, this presence of being the mayor's wife or the mayor's girlfriend or whatever it is she never
0: actually says that no
1: but I really get a strong sense that that's what it was if Mm. you watch shows like scandal and you see how the dynamics are with you know first wife over there it really feels very similar you know going back to my point you get to see how her life is kind of I definitely get the sense that that is what she wants out of this relationship and it feels like maybe that's going to get threatened. And so she is actually saying, pull it together and stop being a baby and all that jazz. But those wives, they didn't have a chance to do that. And so when their husbands leave, they have a chance to take things into their own hands. And even when they are taking things into their own hands, there are other men trying to take it away from them. So there's this Mm. constant battle between female and male. Yeah, which is very mm-hmm. interesting to me.
0: Yeah, I think it's definitely something that is worth dissection and discussion upon upon viewing the film. The only other thing I will say about the film, which is I think uh, one of its weaknesses, the film is missing chemistry uh, among the among the women among the, char- mm-hmm. the performances. There is a distance among. All, all of these people who are working together and it could be more enjoyable than it than it is and i think it, it kind of affects like to an extent how much how much you get invested in the team that's one one of very little issue i take with the film do you have any final thoughts about the film widows
1: I do agree there is a lack of chemistry, especially if you compare it to Ocean's Eight.
0: Mm. More yeah. We'll come back to Ocean's Eight later.
1: But I also feel like it's a different film. Yes, I, I know it is. that we that we as viewers crave chemistry between characters. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like it was interesting to kind of explore the dynamic that could happen where a bunch of women come together and get shit done and they, they don't necessarily have chemistry on their first heist. Yeah. Or their first Few months of knowing each other and that's important of to you too we don't know maybe maybe well, things get better down the line maybe they don't and that's kind of how it well ends. we
0: do know i won't spoil but we do know we do know oh and I'll, I'll, that's where i'll leave it but your point is taken and fair enough okay um at any rate i give widows a seven out of ten how about you
1: I feel like I need to give it an 8 out of 10 because it's an important work on uh, dynamics with women versus women and women versus men.
0: Fair enough. All right. So we have just a couple more movies. The next one is Roma, which is the film you've probably heard a lot about. It's by Alfonso Cuarón who is known, of course, for directing such films as Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban.
1: My favorite
0: one! E2 uh, Children of Men, Gravity. Well, he came back with a very personal film that is essentially a tribute to and roughly loosely about uh, a woman who helped raise him in his adolescence. It says in IMDb, it's a story that chronicles a year in the life of a middle-class family's maid in Mexico City in the early 1970s this is a film that has had an interesting distribution it went in a few theaters for a little while and is actually a Netflix film this is one of the few times Netflix has actually done this usually they're very proprietary they don't want to share their films with theaters but they did that for this so that way it could get some Oscar attention it is definitely getting awards attention critics are all over this movie shanna
1: shanna's all over this movie <laughs> really what funny. what are your
0: thoughts we have a lot of thoughts on roma yeah um, we're gonna try to be concise here what did you think about roma does it live up to the the praise
1: well i i, I don't know what the praise is because i haven't researched saying what about it, mm. but I do think it lives up to Oscar-worthy material. Really? Okay. In certain elements. Okay. Here's why this film's important to me. It's this beautiful, beautiful black-and-white film. Now, I will be perfectly honest with you, I did not see The Artist, uh, which was shot in black and white as I am to understand.
0: Yes, it was an homage or or sorry, it was a tribute to the silent era. So as such, it was in black and white.
1: Uh, and the reason I'm mentioning it is I saw the trailer mm-hmm. and I freaking am in love with black and white. Mm-hmm. I know my black and white photography mm. and I was not impressed with the artist and how they were using black and white. Okay. I saw this trailer and I well, sorry, I didn't see this trailer, I saw the first minute of this film. <laughs> yep. And it was like... I, I'm going to be inappropriate now. So you have an opportunity here, guys, to like step away for a second. It was like a visual orgasm for me. Because...
0: <laughs> <just> Knowing <laughs> what the shot is, it's actually quite funny.
1: <laughs> it was just one minute. And I have a super-duper love for... The element they were using, and which was water, which was water. Nuclear. But the way they were using texture, the way they were using framing, the way they were using objects going in and out of the frame, and the camera was still. The way they were bringing, you know, reflections in. The way they were bringing in movement. The way they were bringing in the bubbles. The way they were using the sound to complement the black and white stimulation we were having was so fucking thrilling for me. To me, it was like a beautiful reintroduction to digital black and white. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, with black and white, you don't just use it because they're gonna tell you're gonna be able to tell that people didn't study their black and white. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, when you use it, you're supposed to have you don't have any color to rely on, right? So that means you're relying on texture, you're relying on framing, Mm -hmm. how objects are positioned how the lighting is affecting things, and how the lack of lighting is affecting things. Mm-hmm. And they did that in so many beautiful freaking shots. They they shot uh, with overcast light. They shot with direct sunlight. They shot with a mixture of that. They shot during the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, they yep. shot with fire, for fuck's sake. Yep. They in shot the with... Yep. The, yeah, they shot with... Um, very harsh sunlight in the camera you mm-hmm. know that they explored all of it if i had a school and i was teaching students about black and white photography principles i would take this film and i would make them study the shit out of it because mm-hmm. that's what you can get exposed to in this film sure so total orgasm there guys so beyond the te- i feel like the technical needs recognition mm-hmm. i feel like the technical.
0: And most people are. Yeah, yeah
1: the technical mm-hmm. side of things. I hope that it gets every kind of nomination it can possibly get.
0: Okay. Of course, There's, there it won't be special effects or visual effects. No, no, it's. But, yeah, it's and, not that kind of movie. Yeah. It's
1: so lovely. Yeah. So I, what I also enjoyed about this film, you know, was was the story. There's okay. a lot to relate to here. You know, IMDb describes it as the character as a maid. Well, I I, I guess that I have to. Relook at the definition I've made. I see her more as a superwoman. She's <laughs> she's a. She, she
0: seems like a nanny, really. She's
1: a li- She's like, if we were to look at it in nowadays terms, it's she's a live-in nanny that is having you know her living expenses in exchange for, uh, and and then also wages of course, uh, wages. Yeah. You know, in exchange for you know looking looking after the family, you know, room and board, food, etc. Yeah. So she's kind of in a way being hosted, but not, not, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. She is with that family six days out of the week, long ass hours. You're not only cooking, you're not only cleaning, you're looking after the children, you're doing their well-being, you're loving them. They're, it's a very difficult job. Yeah. Especially when it isn't your family to look after. Sure. So... What they did was they chose a really great... They created a really great character for Mm -hmm. that. Very compassionate, very loving, very calm. Not all of us are like that. So, I really enjoyed watching that Mm -hmm. because I feel like it does need to get depicted. There was also this beautiful contrasting and comparing of two women, two different circumstances two different careers two different lifestyles so i'm referring to the main character and then her boss
0: oh yes the mother of the family
1: they're both going through something very difficult with men and of course it's both very different but it's also very much the same they Mm. both have to navigate their ways through it and because they're two different people they're both dealing with it in two different ways and that's very interesting there are lots of beautiful everyday things that are happening in this film that are you know, amplified in their beauty with the technicality in which they are shot. Mm-hmm. There are also things that don't get talked about, that do happen to people, that don't get depicted in films very often. In right. fact, I don't know any other film that depicts what this film depicts, mm-hmm. but it does it in a very beautiful way. Hmm. And it's important that films depict such things, because when you depict something that's difficult for people to talk about, it's going to allow people that have experienced that to come forward and share their experience, and then it's a domino effect. And then it brings everyone together. You know, you could say that it normalizes it, which is good, but I think the most important thing is the power of film can bring people together. And that's well, the what...
0: empathy machines, you know. Yeah. Uh, it can help people understand and have empathy for others that mm-hmm. are completely different than them or ha- going through uh, tragic or rough experiences in their life.
1: And I feel like because of what, that, what this film does with that, I feel that gives another layer of importance to it. Mm. And I feel like film is going in that direction now where we're like, okay this doesn't get talked about it exists in the world we're going to do a film about it and that's important okay so i give this film a nine out of ten
0: wow okay so let me first talk about what i liked about the movie
1: because there was things that you didn't Um,
0: (laughs) i'll try to be i'll try to be concise and brief about uh, about this because we do have one more movie to talk about Everything you said about the technical aspects, you probably articulated better than I could. The only... 100% agree. The cinematography in this is stunning. And from what I understand, one thing that we were not able to appreciate because of our particular setup is the sound design Mm. is apparently uh, quite brilliant. If we were to have the uh, surround sound set up, we would be able to really get this incredible ambient sound uh, in a lot of these scenes that you spoke to that really are are quite something. So all of that's really cool. There's some really brilliantly well-staged sequences that it's stuff that harkens back to the days of the epics where they're having to stage a whole bunch of people having their own things going on in the distance and in the foreground, be it people doing a training, physical training of some kind, people doing shooting out of a cannon, uh, shooting themselves out of a cannon. There's like a the, lot
1: of choreography. The timing
0: of, of sequences, especially considering a lot of the times the camera is not a dynamic. It's not dynamic. It is staying fixed and panning, if anything. A lot of that, I totally get it. Very, very impressive on a technical level, on a direction level. Awesome, cool. This film, because of how Quoron directs the camera, it reminds me of uh, films by like Ozu. You know, the Japanese film, uh, the, the film director, the Japanese director who made such films as Tokyo Story where he actually just kept the camera fixed and actors would come in and out of the frame and and act in the frame and it's very much like a portrait of a family like you know the way it was directed and if the camera moved at all it was extremely purposeful roma is not that extreme in its in its camera work but it, it is very reminiscent of that. And I find it interesting. Now, all that said.
1: Here we go, folks. Uh,
0: this film does also remind me of some Italian neorealist films where <sighs> it's all about real people and their uh, just living their real lives. And you know, I've seen films like Umberto D and Bicycle Thieves and all sorts of and french new wave films too and i found those movies while i struggle with that era and that era that that kind of film i struggle with those sometimes i found them more interesting and more engaging than this story i feel that roma is a technically marvelous film that is weighed down by narrow a dull uninteresting chore of a narrative i almost fell asleep twice while watching this film which is important to note. it's not because i was tired or anything like that i just was so unengaged with it i rarely ever have this issue with a film but that's to the degree of how uninterested i was in what i was seeing happening to me and what was i was seeing happening to me is so bare bones there really isn't a whole lot to this plot or story. I didn't find the, the characters or the acting to be engaging to really draw me in. I didn't find the story to be engaging or interesting. There are sequences that are interesting, but mostly because of how they're directed. Mostly because of how they're shot. The story was lacking so much for me and i know this is a point of debate i've heard uh, people in film circles discuss this but i also kind of lean towards the argument that the main character is a passive character and that thus makes it harder for me to connect and be engaged with this character uh this is this is a film that i am greatly in the minority on it's rare for me to to not be and share the same um appreciation for a film that is so clearly in the best picture of the year discussion and so widely admired if you're not familiar with film critic armand white google him but he is not a guy that i like to be in the same company of and unfortunately, with this film, I am in the same company with Arm on White, probably for different reasons. But I, 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 just was very disappointed by Roma. It is the most difficult film experience I have had <laughs> this year.
1: That's um, really funny. Again,
0: I get it. I, it's, it's like the writer. I get, I get why. And most of the praise is on the technical level. I do not see people saying technical aside this film is brilliant i don't see very much of that i do see most of the praise coming towards the technical aspect of the film i'm not saying that's all there is to it you know but that that is my experience that's where the film gets kudos and it's the only reason really why i give it a five out of ten i lean towards not recommending the film more than recommending i the the technical side really is just like ah it's so good but is it worth it (laughs) and i just barely lean towards no so i i'm I'm glad you like everybody else in the world except for me (laughs) seem to appreciate this film but no it did not work for me so that's my two cents on roma for what it's worth in addition to yours. We, we have one last film. Let's get into it. It's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Shanna, first of all, were you familiar with the Miles... Uh, well, well, why don't you talk about that? The, what's the movie about? Tell us what the movie is about.
1: Miles Morales becomes the Spider-Man of his reality and crosses paths with his counterparts from other dimensions to stop a threat to all reality, as is the IMDb description.
0: And are you from? Were you familiar with Miles Morales before this film?
1: I was not. I honestly, I thought that the only Spider-Man that existed, or the only Spider-Man that I wanted to exist, was Tobey Maguire. <laughs> so. Oh his, wow. His <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> okay. That's the only one that I, you know, knew about. I, I saw pictures of is it Gwen Stacy? Uh yeah, Spider Gwen. Spider
0: Stacey. Gwen. Spider yeah,
1: Gwen. And I thought that that was interesting and. We've but, seen
0: cosplay of Spider-Gwen for oh, years. Oh yeah,
1: like I've seen that. That's the only other exposure I've had. Uh-huh. So when I saw the tra- the trailer for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, it was actually kind of exciting for me because I thought it was an interesting idea. I had no idea that there were these different realities that existed.
0: Okay, so you're not familiar with how in the comic books, it, get, it can get really fucking complicated and there's all these different... Different universes and stuff. No,
1: I thought as complicated as it got was the different movies and TV shows <laughs> of a particular superhero. And sure. I thought, that's, I thought that that was how it got complicated.
0: So then how well did that work for you being translated on the film?
1: Oh, well, you know, I'm a big fan of time travel, but I'm also a big fan of alternate realities. Mm-hmm. So alternate realities coming to one space was a very interesting concept for me. Uh-huh. And I guess... Doing it with Spider Man works. Mm-hmm. I feel like maybe if they did it with a, a different superhero, it might not have worked. Like Iron no. Man would have pissed me off, you know. Well, that and, would and just I don't be know. An ego fest.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> uh, well, I'm not an encyclopedia of Marvel necessarily. Though I have my familiarity with it, I'm not sure that that what is the case for Spider Man is necessarily the case for Iron Man or some other heroes that you know. In the sense that there's a, a multiple different versions of them in different dimensions.
1: When I feel like the character of Spider-Man, it can work, you mm-hmm. know, because generally the character that becomes Spider-Man is a, a really good soul. Mm-hmm. So it's... Faced with tragedy. Because you got to have a sprinkling right. of that. But that's
0: like the, 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 the skeleton story. of what the character yeah. is, right?
1: Yeah. And so it was very interesting seeing all these, like, all these similar beings coming together and living in sure. the same space.
0: So, what did you think of Miles Morales?
1: Oh, I really liked him. I thought it was really fun. Mm. I, if I had to, you know, pick my favorite spider, it, it's it's probably Miles and probably Gwen now, as opposed to Tobey Maguire. <laughs> so that's funny. <laughs> I'm really glad that they took this direction mm-hmm. and that we're being exposed to different spiders and. I enjoyed his take on it and at times this movie really scared me because of his one of his first villains Uh uh-huh and i mean it was i wasn't expecting the animated film to scare me but it did yeah and every now and again i hear that particular sound in my head and i'm like oh my god that's so scary Mm. so i i like how the film made me feel it it made me feel a range of different emotions and we all know there's going to be that tragic moment and when it came it was like oh that really is really really sad and that worked with Miles I don't think it would have worked with any of the others Hmm. maybe it could have worked with Gwen but I don't think it would have worked with any of the other spiders that we have been exposed to in that film
0: hmm so I think this is the best animated film of the year and I'm gonna tell you why
1: oh yeah it's animated
0: yeah, first of all, uh, it's important to note the cast. The cast includes uh, Shamik Moore, Jake Johnson, Haley Steinfeld, Mahershala Ali, Lily Tomlin, Zoe Kravitz, John Mulaney, Nicholas Cage, Katherine Hahn, Leah Schreiber, and Chris Pine. That is a huge and incredible cast, uh, first of all, and they all do a great job. Some are more recognizable than others, but very enjoyable and so the, why i think this is the best animated film of the year first of all it takes a bonkers concept a concept that no comic book fan ever thought who grew up in the 80s and 90s ever thought would ever work in a film which is we're going to talk about the multiverse we're going to introduce character multiple versions of the same character <laughs> it actually translates that into film in a way that works. The ca- it 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 manages to juggle multiple characters in ways that a lot of live action superheroes uh, superhero movies have not been able to do. It's very effective. It is so because it doesn't worry about bogging itself down in in origins and understanding the characters and who they are and why they are the way they are. They just are.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: that Scorpion is just Scorpion. Green Goblin is just Green Goblin. The Prowler is just the Prowler, etc., cetera, etc., etc. Right? And, and you have, you do have like five villains in this movie, maybe six villains in this film, uh, which is
1: insane. It, it sounds, gets really busy. At it times. sounds really
0: overcrowded, but it works. Yeah. It really works. It doesn't feel overcrowded. It feels like you are watching a normal spider-man comic i just realized i think it actually is six which means it's the sinister six which is a famous team of villains in the comics it, the roster of course has fluctuated over the years but that's kind of cool they don't even make a big deal of that mm-hmm. it just is that's kind of cool and then on top of it you have four or five like main protagonists that's pretty awesome this is of course miles Morales' uh origin story miles is a fan favorite from a different if I remember correctly, from a uh, not the traditional Spider-Man comics, but from like the what's called the Ultimate, if I remember correctly, not a character I was familiar with. He's like maybe like been around for ten years or something like that. But fans have loved him. I think partially because of his diversity, the diversity factor he brings into it. A lot of people would be like, well, you know, uh, Donald Glover. When they're going to do Amazing Spider-Man, I think it was. They're like. Let's make Donald Glover the new Spider-Man. And um, there's even a gag about that in the show community. Uh, Like, people really wanted a black Spider-Man. And some people really did not. So, hopefully, this film really satisfies those fans. Mm -hmm. Um, And hopefully, it's in no way a concession in any way for them. Here's the other thing. The animation style.
1: At first, I thought it was going to make me sick. Because it's very kind of jittery but it works with what the film is about alternate realities it is bonkers
0: it is trippy it is layered it is crazy i thought it was supposed to be a 3d film but i found out the 3d is actually it's not an it's not a traditional 3d film it's actually a convert to 3d so it's actually a 2d film just i would not blame anybody for questioning that while they're watching it Because the way the film is animated, it's got dimension and it's dynamic. It's like so colorful. It's got texture to it. It it, it just blows my mind how the film is animated. It's got very, it feels like it's got tradition, like layers of different types of animation to it, too. So to me, it is an achievement in animation just because of the the level of difficulty and the the kind of animated uh, uh work that is done in the film on top of how strong the story is on top of how the characters were well juggled it's just a very well written film so i really like spider-man into the uh into the spider-verse as clunky title as that is
1: also known as the multiverse
0: right a lot of fun. I'm trying to think if there's any other things I needed to point out about
1: it. I love the relationships. Even the main villain ha- is about relationships and how yes. important they are. And
0: Voiced by Leah Schreiber, Wilson Fisk, known as the Keenpen.
1: Totally suits that character. Right. That, that actor and that character are, are a match. Uh-huh. And Miles with his family like the connections and relationships yes, he has yes, with yeah. them. Mm-hmm. I really like it. Yep. Yeah. And
0: uh, Nicolas Cage as Spider-Man Noir is uh, a delight, very closely a scene stealer. Uh, a lot of fun. So, yeah, we recommend Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I do give this one an 8 out of 10. Uh, it is definitely the best animated film I've seen this year. How about you?
1: I think it's probably the best one, too. It does something creative. It has fun. Uh, There's lots of different emotions felt during the film.
0: Yeah. Very cool. All right. So, Shanna, let's wrap up this episode by doing a lightning round. This is not all the films that we have seen since the last episode. We've crammed four other films in since the last episode on top of what we just reviewed. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to name a a film, and you're going to tell me if you liked it or not. Okay. Like it? Don't like it, and I will return. I'll volley back, and then name and go on to the next. This is
1: our first time we're doing this. Oh yeah,
0: we've never done anything like this episode before. This is exciting. So here we go. You ready? Okay. All right. Hotel Artemis.
1: No.
0: Yes. Ocean's Eight. No. Yes. More than I thought, but I didn't love it. Teen Titans go to the movies. Yes. Yes. Green Book. Yes. Yes. So, take those recommendations, those lightning round recommendations, as you will. Shanna, I think it's time for you to tell us where people can find you on the
1: internet. So, you can go to Instagram, Shanna underscore Paxton.
0: Damn, that was easy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and here we go, two, Three, two, <laughs> one. Well,
0: if you're not already familiar, go to thegibsonreview.com to find all the past everything's past best of the year lists past episodes past film faves all the other articles you will also pretty soon we're going to be start recapping the decade and it might be of interest to you to check out those older articles from the last decade recaps that i did i broke it down to a series of articles so you can find those on there go to facebook.com slash the gibson review for many reviews and 30-party links as well as links to these episodes and go to the flick chart, the Gibson 99, to see a list of uh, 3,200 films I have seen, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, have, I believe I've updated it. So what's there is everything I've seen. All right, so th- hopefully you have enjoyed this 2018 roundup. Uh, we do have more films we're going to try to squeeze in in the next couple weeks. The next episode will be the year in 2018 in review. We're going to do a series of categories in that episode. Uh, We will talk about our picks of uh, movies, uh, not just best or worst, but we will talk about those and our honorable mentions for those categories. And I think we'll also do film faves will be our favorite movies of the year as well. So you can expect that on January 8th. And by the way, it's Christmas Day that this episode is being released. Merry
1: so Christmas!
0: We hope you all are having a wonderful and happy holiday. And have a wonderful New Year's holiday as well. Until then, feel free to always email us at thegibsonreview@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can tell us what your thoughts are on all the movies we mentioned in this episode. In the meantime... Keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying... Bye-bye.